0: Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. You bet. This is Sports Open
1: Line on KMOX. Into hour number two of the program. My name's Matt Pawley. Thanks so much for being tuned in with us. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well. At Matt Pawley on air, a busy sports day. Skip Schumacher, no longer a member of the Cardinals organization. He takes over as the new manager in Miami with the Marlins. And St. Louis City SC, not going to be playing in Centene Stadium, not because they're not going to be in that stadium, but because Centene has reportedly uh, pulled out of the naming rights uh, aspect of their deal which had been initially uh, announced as a 15-year partnership. So those are kind of the two big sports stories we're hitting on uh, today. Coming up uh, this hour, we'll hear from uh, Matt Snyder. He'll join us in about uh, 13 minutes or so. We'll talk uh, all things Major League Baseball with him. He is a uh, baseball writer for CBS Sports. And about 7.35, we'll talk St. Louis Blues hockey. We'll play some of the audio coming out of uh, after practice earlier today after the Blues lose for the first time all season yesterday. Want to touch on some comments that were made by Missouri football coach Eli Drinkwitz, and so I've been thinking about this. I, I thought it's one of those things where it was like a really simple statement, really simple answer, and I get I get hung up on something. I really spent some time thinking about it. So, if you remember, when Drinkwitz comes in as the new head coach of Missouri, he's brought in. Um, for a few reasons like obviously his ability to recruit and that is something that has translated he has brought in very good recruiting classes he's recruiting at a high level if you know based off the way the team has played this season you might think that he's on a little bit of a hot seat but you got to you got to take pause on that one because he's bringing in such a high level of talent right now you probably don't want to press reset on that you probably want to give some of those recruiting classes the opportunity to show what they can do So the recruiting is a big deal, but another part of who he is and what he is and what he's done before is his ability to lead teams that score a lot of points and are very good offensively. So he has been serving as the offensive coordinator. Now we hear this all the time over and over and over. You've got the head coach who's calling plays and the team is struggling I don't want to say it's like a lazy narrative to go to, but it's it's somewhere that we we always go. Well, should he be calling plays? Is it too much? He's he's a head coach, should he be worrying about some other stuff? So that question was asked to Drinkwitz about whether or not he would consider giving up the play-calling duties. And he said yes, but not this year. And this is this is what this is where I think it's an interesting thing because basically, here's what Drinkwood said. He kind of, he's created who they are from an offensive standpoint right now, and it's his job to fix it. And who Missouri is, basically, I, they're a team that can lose close to the number one team in the nation. And they're also a team that can win close against maybe the worst team in the league. That's who they are. As they barely lost to number 1 Georgia, and they barely held on for a win against Vanderbilt. And they they're very, very inconsistent. Now, what do they do over the final five games of the season? They're sitting on three wins right now. You want to see them get... Bowl eligible. Where where do they have victories? Three of their final five opponents are in the top 25. A fourth, Arkansas, was in the top 25. The only game that looks overly winnable for Missouri is a game against New Mexico State that's going to be coming up on November 19th. So should Drinkwitz give up play calling? I actually, I agree with him here. I I I don't think they get better by him giving up play calling. I just don't. That's something that he's good at. Has he done a good job of it this year? Eh. I think the the problems offensively go back go go beyond play calling. You you don't have to be a great play caller if you have really 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 good players. Now that's that's only true to a certain. Extent, right? Like if you've got the best team in the nation and you are just calling the, 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 the dumbest plays ever, it's not going to work out. But you know middle of the road play calling can look like really good play calling when you have great players and great play calling can look like eh, play calling when you don't have great players. And so for me, it always comes back to players. It comes back to coaching those players up during practice, uh, things like that. Like the actual play calling, I think sometimes we make a little bit too much of the play calling when some other things are not going on. Like that's the, that's the final domino that needs to get pushed down is the actual play calling all the other stuff that kind of is done behind closed doors. Those are the important things. And sometimes I wonder how well those things are being done at Missouri. So I believe in Eli Drinkwitz as, as a legit play caller. I do. I think his, his reputation, his body of work prior to Missouri, I have no problem with it. Now, you know, when he says he's not going to do it this year, but it's something that he would consider going forward, what that feels like to me is, is you know we, we we see this all the time in football whether it's college football or a lot of times in college football sometimes in the NFL but more often than not college football you have a year where you you struggle you get to that end of season conversation with your athletic director and you get the old changes have to be made conversation so what what changes do you make well as a head coach if the choice is either giving up your play calling or losing your job, you're going to give up play calling. And when you do that, what you're going to do is you're going to go out and you're going to try to find a coordinator who's very good at what they do and kind of bring them in. And then that can be the, the entire off season narrative. And I, I can see that happening this year for Missouri. Absolutely. It feels like to me, Drinkwitz is already sort of setting that up where he's not going to give up the play calling this year. He's open to it. Good chance that they go into next year and they, they reassemble the coaching staff a little bit and they bring somebody in who's primarily going to work as an offensive play caller. You know, maybe you find that young stud quarterback's coach that's ready to to make that next step to coordinator and you hand it off a little bit. There's there's something to be said. Like, I, I don't think, I'm not trying to run away from the fact that it's it's really challenging to be a head coach and a play caller. That's not an easy thing to do and with all due respect to where drinkwitz was before it's doing it in the sec and doing i think what sunbelt conference appalachian states sunbelt conference i think sunbelt uh doing it in the sec and doing it in i believe the sunbelt conference whatever conference he was in it's different it's different it's very different and there's a lot more going on and i'm sure the game moves uh, a a little bit faster so it's it's challenging but as a head coach, if you believe that maybe the greatest skill that you bring to a team is your ability to play call call plays, well, you keep doing it, and I think that's what he's uh, he's doing uh, right now. Uh, his his line, by the way, give give the man credit when he's got a good line. When he was asked about being opposed to having another co- coach call plays, uh, as quoted in the Post Dispatch story. He said, quote, I dream about it all the time, honestly, usually on third downs. That's a good line. That's a good line from uh, Drinkwitz. But he went on to say uh, the rest of the quote was, uh, I'm not opposed to it at all. As you continue to grow and develop as a head coach, you look back and see the things that you're doing well and the things that you've got to improve. Maybe there's a weakness here or a blind spot there. So absolutely, I can see myself doing that at the time when it was right with the right people, with the right scenario, and the right situation. So the end of that, by the way, was interesting as well because he says with the right people, with the right scenario, and with the right situation. So what he is saying there right now is, Like Not that he's throwing his own coaching staff under the bus, but really what he's saying there right now is we don't have anybody on staff that I would trust to be the play caller right now. 314-436-7900, that's how you call us if you want to call us. Up next, we'll talk Major League Baseball. Matt Snyder covers baseball for uh, CBS Sports. He joins us in just a moment. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yeah! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City. We
1: are America's sports voice. KMOX. Well, thanks to the NLCS and the ALCS, each getting over relatively quickly. We've got uh, about a week without baseball, at least a midweek. We will not uh, see the World Series get started. Until Friday, Phillies-Astros, just as everybody had it drawn up when the season uh, got started. Right now, we're very happy to uh, welcome in a guy who covers and writes about Major League Baseball for CBS Sports. He is uh, Matt Snyder. You can follow him on Twitter if you'd like, and you should, at Matt Snyder CBS. Matt, thanks so much for your time. How are you?
0: Uh, You know,
3: I'm excited to get into this thing here in a couple days. I guess three more days. Uh, (laughs) Too much of a break between the LCS and the World Series since both teams, uh, both winning teams, got it over with Tucson,
1: like I, I know the importance of the national TV money to Major League Baseball. So what I'm saying is a complete pipe dream. But I just wish. Major League Baseball would go to their TV partners and say, "Look, this everything's going to kind of be fluid. We're going to move as the series move along. We're not going to set the exact dates for the World Series. We're going to get rid of some off days in the in, in some early rounds, and we may have to move things around if we have some you know delays and cancellations." Like I just, it it doesn't have to be this way, and I feel like if baseball said that to their TV partners, they probably wouldn't lose. The money that maybe they're afraid of losing?
3: Probably not. Um, it would be an incredible hassle for the traveling secretaries for both the teams. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you, for somebody who's going to the series, holy cow, that would suck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at the start of the playoffs, well, I waited until after the wild card round this year. But uh, after that, I made 19 different hotel reservations to account for every single possible scenario. <laughs> so. And then like one of my rituals is every time a scenario drops is when I go and cancel them. So if, if we were going to have, it could be possible that it would take place. Game one would take place one of the next seven days, man. I don't know if I could piece all that together. Surely I would lose track. So I see what you're saying though, from a a fan standpoint and people who don't have to travel, man, this is a lot of days off.
1: Yep. Did uh, any cancellation fees on any of
3: those? Oh no no I I'm I mean I've I've done it enough times that I'm a you know up to the point in the the hotel points system where you can cancel up until like the day of. Now it it might have started to get hairy for me. Uh, the, in New York, I couldn't get anything better than two days before, and if that one went seven games. I was going to have to figure something out, but (laughs) the Yankees took care of that one by laying down.
1: Yeah, they absolutely did. I I encourage people to read your most recent uh, piece, and you get into the playoff format, and there's a lot of people who have been upset about the fact that a team like the Phillies, the last team in, a team that didn't win that many games during the regular season, uh, get in, and you basically say, this This playoff format's great, this is fun, it's good for baseball, so I guess and I agree with what you say there. I guess my follow up question to that though would be if we get into this world where it's almost like the hockey playoffs where we are consistently seen. Top teams in baseball get knocked out early, and we're consistently seeing some of these lower wild cards make it very deep to the playoffs. Does your tune change at all if it doesn't feel as much as a one-off kind of the way this year does with the Phillies?
3: Um, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Uh, it's hard to know. Like as a, For now, I would say... We have to be disciplined enough. At the league does. I don't know we. I don't have a place at the table, so I shouldn't have said we. But let's hope that the sport is disciplined enough to not add any more yeah. playoff teams. And I said that in the in the piece. I said don't add any more playoff teams unless there's expansion. You know, it, you know, if you get up to 34 teams and you want to say there's 14 playoff teams against 20, not okay. But my biggest problem in the NHL and NBA is more than half the league makes it. Um, we still don't have that in baseball. We only have 12 out of 30. Um, and the other thing is the series instead of the one game wild card, I like that a lot better because baseball is a game of series. And that one game wild card always felt gimmicky, even though it was fun. Um, and, uh, even as a Cubs fan, the one year that I had to watch it, they won an area a shutout. Schwarber hit a bomb into the river in Pittsburgh. But on the other hand, the pirates were a 91 team and they only got one game and they had to go up against a guy mm-hmm. at the time that was completely unhittable. Uh, that just doesn't seem like the way that the season is set up. And and a lot of the pushback that I've gotten is it's a 162-game regular season where 60 per, where the, the best teams win 60% of the games and even the worst teams win 40% of the games. You can't have a short series decide that. And, and my response to that is we've been having short series decide that forever. Even when it was just each league gets a team straight to the World Series – seven games is a small sample in a season of 162, seven games is a very small sample. So either we're going to say we're not having playoffs at all. And the Dodgers are the 2022 world champions, or we're going to say, yeah, small sample fluke could decide this thing. And that's just the the, kind of the chance you take.
1: I chuckle people who do want more teams in because this year it means we would have gotten the Brewers in on the national league, Baltimore in on the American league. I don't think anybody's really clamoring for those teams and, Matt, really, you look at it from a National League perspective, the teams that tried to win this year are the teams that got <laughs> yeah. into the playoffs. So every other you – know, yeah, the, the Brewers gave up when they traded Josh Hader. I guess maybe you can say the Giants kind of tried to win coming off what they did last year, but essentially the, the teams they, that tried so to win got in. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's where you don't want to go any further than that. I like rewarding the teams that try, and they still have to get the job done. Um, because if you go to the AL side, like the White Sox tried, they just completely failed. The the Twins pretty well tried, and they they fell on their faces and failed too. The Angels, I I don't know if you could consider trying at this point, but, you know, maybe they kind of tried and then that that failed. Uh, But, yeah, for the most part, there's a reward factor to get in. And, man, the the Phillies weren't that far from being really on the ropes. Mm -hmm. The, The Cardinals let them off the hook in game one there. If they didn't, then maybe the Phillies are home right now and we're talking about somebody else. So I, I just – it was a bit much for me uh, how many people kept stressing, like, a third-place team. Well, third place is not always created equal. And, uh, you know, last year one more win in the NL East won it. The Braves only won 88 games and they were in first place and they won the World Series. And eighty-eight wins, it, that doesn't seem to ruffle as many feathers as eighty-seven did. I don't think one <laughs> win is that big, big of a difference, uh, but boy, it sure felt like it.
1: Skip Schumacher, the Cardinals a now former bench coach being announced as the the Marlins manager. You look at the NL East, and obviously things change, but feels like the Braves are are going to be winning for a while. Feels like the Mets are going to be winning for a while. Feels like the Phillies can't can be winning for a while. That's a that's a tough job in a tough division
3: very very it's hard to see it's hard to see that much changing for the Marlins in that division i I almost you know you've got to have a front office that ends up finding their way into a situation like the Rays where they they completely beat everybody on a bunch of people who are are cast offs from other organizations um and, and then you mix in somebody like Wander Franco with that and then hope that you can lock him up for a long time because. The Nationals have a lot of resources, and we've seen them spend those resources before, and they just traded one Soto and tried to replenish the farm system. They're going to have some high draft picks. The Braves might be the most well-run organization in the sport. Uh, The Mets are not going anywhere at all as long as Steve Cohen is He's going to be even more determined after this year. Uh, And the Phillies are actually set up pretty well. They don't have that bad of a money situation moving forward, and they're going to have so much more money after this. Their attendance was already pretty high. Next year it's going to be through the roof, probably for the year after that. Uh, yeah, it's not, not smooth sailing at all in that division.
1: Who do you like in this World Series?
3: I think you have to go with the Astros and not outthink yourself because mm-hmm. they're way better and they're way deeper. They're playing so well right now. I picked them in six, but I, I, I don't have a strong conviction on it because what we've already seen, we've already seen so much flukiness. The Braves weren't – I know the Braves were really hot last year down the stretch, but they weren't the best team, and everybody knew that. Um, it, it's just so much comes down to all the breaks going your way. I mean, we don't know. What if somebody gets hurt? Remember, Charlie Morton <laughs> broke his leg in game one last year. Of course, the Braves still won, but, like, what if somebody gets hurt and that swings the series? It, so much could go wrong for one of the teams. So much could go right for the other team. It's so, it's so hard to predict, and that's what makes it so fun. So I, I'm, I'm going with the Astros just because, like I said, they're way better. They have a way better resume. They're firing at all cylinders right now. Um, but I would not be surprised if the Phillies won it.
1: The Astros are remarkable just in the sense that they've obviously let players walk away. This year, there are some of their yeah. key players who have not been as productive. You, 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 know, you, you would think that some key players would have to be doing better things for them to advance. Yet all they do is win every single game, basically.
3: Yeah, it's I mean between George Springer and Garrett Cole and then last off season free agency was Carlos Correa and he was their best player last year as they went on the run to the World Series and they just kinda let him walk and plugged in Jeremy Peña. They've got the Alex Bregman of old back. Jordan Alvarez was the second scariest hitter in baseball this year after Aaron Judge. Justin Verlander returns and he's gonna win the Cy Young and it's the starting pitching machine that they have there is probably the most remarkable thing because, you know, you've got Framber Valdez there, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy. They don't even really have to start Garcia or Urquidy. They have McCullers back now, and they can start him. They have Hunter Brown was a, pitching, a starting pitching prospect. He's out of the bullpen in the playoffs now. They were in such good shape that, and I know he's not that good, but he's an arm who can eat innings in the five spot. They, they're in such good shape that they traded Jake Odorizzi for Bolton help. Um, and it's Will Smith, and they don't even use him in high leverage situations. And it doesn't matter. That's just how, loading, how, how loaded that they have been with starting pitching in the organization.
1: Last thing for you, and I feel like this is a tired question. We, we've seen this question many times, but I'll ask it nonetheless. Has Dusty done enough to be a Hall of Famer, or does he still need uh, that World Series ring?
3: I think he's in. For me, he's done more than enough. I I mean, not just statistically, but just everything he's done for the game and how much of an impact he's had on so, so, so many players and coaches and guys who've gone on to become managers. But you want that cherry on top. It's right there. They're the better team. He can get the ring. He can ride off into the sunset, and there's absolutely no question at all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But 100% agree. Uh, Matt, encourage people to follow you on Twitter yeah. at Matt Snyder, uh, CBS Sports at CBSSports.com. Thanks so much for the time. I'm glad you've been able to cancel a bunch of hotels, and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. It's always a fun part of it. All right, take care. Have a good one. All right, you too. There's Matt Snyder from CBS Sports talking Major League Baseball with him. Appreciate him taking a few moments with us. When we return, we'll shift gears. We will talk hockey as uh, the Blues lose for the first time all season. Yesterday, Craig Berube and a couple players uh, met with uh, the media earlier today, including the officially newest Blue. We'll explain that coming up in just a bit. It's Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. This is KMOX.
0: Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet! This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
1: We do continue on here. Just about uh, a little bit less than a half hour left of the program. We take you till 8 o'clock this evening. Uh, Cardinals, uh, president of baseball operations, uh, John Moselock, is going to be meeting with the media tomorrow uh, doing his end-of-season news conference. Uh, I'll be there for it, and we will pass along a lot of his comments. Uh, That's going to be a large part of tomorrow's show just going through everything that he has to say Uh, obviously today we learned that Skip Schumacher is leaving the organization as he heads to become the next manager of the Miami Marlins Uh, so there was already kind of some rumblings out there that we could maybe see some staff changes I don't expect there to be any announcements maybe I could be wrong but I don't expect there to be any type of announcement on uh, staff changes for next season Uh, but it'll be interesting to hear what uh, Mosellock has to say so yeah that's happening uh, late tomorrow Morning. I'll be on with uh, Kevin, Amy, and Chris for a little while to talk about that during the show, and then we've got uh, this show from six o'clock to eight o'clock tomorrow, and we'll break down everything that was said uh, at that point uh, by John Moseylock. Is a lot of a lot of questions to ask for sure. A lot of questions to ask, and I look forward to hearing some of those answers coming up tomorrow. The uh, news of the day when it comes to the Blues, they lose yesterday, lose for the first time all season long, and. They do make some uh, roster moves today. Pavel uh, Butchnevich, who has been uh, out the last few games, uh, he has been uh, placed on injured reserve, and the team has signed forward Tyler Pitlick. Uh, Pitlick had been with the team during training camp on a tryout deal, ended up uh, getting hurt, was basically sent home, but told to stay healthy, stay uh, stay in shape, continue to work out. And once he's healthy, there would probably be a chance for him to come back. He had been with the team, although not signed, and he has now uh, signed a contract. So uh, he is with the club. Craig Barubi speaking with the media earlier today and uh, did talk about that Pitlick signing.
4: He was having a good camp, you know, and he got uh, injured, um, which was unfortunate for him. But, um, you know, he's a type of player that, um, you know, you can use in a couple different spots. Like he's a good skater and penalty killer. he knows how to play the game properly and we like his speed and size. And obviously with the signing you obviously probably a good chance he's going to be playing probably. Yeah, there's a good, real good chance. Yeah, for sure.
1: He says he looked at you guys and just felt like playing a north south style of game and getting in on the forecheck kind of fits in with what he likes to do. Is it, did, did you get that sense from him?
4: Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a, um, he doesn't need to complicate, complicate the game, you know, he and it suits him that's the style of hockey suits him you know that's where he's effective on the forecheck you know big body taking the body you know playing hard minutes
1: pitlick also speaking in the media and uh, opened up his media session just talking about being uh, back on the ice with his uh, now uh, once again new teammates it was good got to skate and practice and be around
5: the guys so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was good uh, mm-hmm. yeah now, good to have a good to have a home, good to have a place. Yeah, good to have a good to have a job, and uh, yeah, go from there. Looking forward to getting into to plan, and uh, yeah, should be good. Uh, I was
1: gonna say, is there relief now? I mean, obviously, it, it's got to be a little bit tense there don't have a
5: to... job. Yeah, and it's just you know it's gone on a while with the you know with the extra time here, so. Yeah, it's a little, little nerve-wracking, and you never know if it's going to happen until you actually sign your name on the paper. So, uh, yeah, it's a relief, and uh, excited to, to get going.
1: When you first came in here and, and started acclimating yourself, did you
4: get a sense pretty quickly that uh, maybe your style fits in with uh, what they are trying to
5: do here? Yeah, for sure. I just think the way I play the game is, uh, you know, it fits in with this team, and uh, I think they want a guy that's going to go north and be physical and get on four checks and just... Uh, you know, bring that energy every night. And uh, I think I can do that to, to help uh, help the team. And I guess now with a couple of guys in that top six dinged up too, it's, it's
1: almost kind of a oh, contribution by committee right now.
5: Isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll see what happens here the next few games and how the, the everything shakes out. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be good. going to get a lot of opportunity to have some good ice time and show what I got.
1: Yeah, it is an opportunity for him with the injuries. So the injuries are coming. Uh, you don't like them coming at this time. Obviously, injuries to start the season, you hope that doesn't turn into one of those years where you just have injuries all season long. There's also been a lot of off days here in the early start of the season. So generally, when you have those periods of time with off days, it's an opportunity to get healthy, and that's not happening with this team. I uh, mentioned uh, Nevich headed to uh, injured reserve. Uh, Brand Saad has uh, missed some time as well. And uh, Craig Barui gave an update. Update on uh, each of those uh, players, starting with Bujinovic.
4: He's looked, getting looked at again today, reevaluated re- re- today, um, just to try to help speed up the process here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't think it's you know I don't it's not serious, but mm-hmm. it's aggravating you know, so it's keeping him out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. So both day I guess. Needs, uh, yeah, right now, yes. Yep. Pretty big challenge with uh, those two down, and uh, the grind's beginning now. The schedule loaded. Definitely, uh, you know, it was, it's uh, we miss them for sure. They're both really good players and big pieces for us. And um, but, hey, that's the way it is in this league. They're going to have injuries, and um, you got to move on, and you've got people that's got to step up and do the job.
1: So that was uh, Craig Baruby. Let's talk about a little bit about uh, yesterday's game. Uh, Blues end up losing by a four nothing score. That certainly does not tell the whole story. It was one nothing after uh, two periods, but they just could not get a whole lot uh, going from an offensive standpoint. Barubi talked about what went wrong in yesterday's game.
4: Third period, yes, that's where it all began. Uh, you know, like I, first period was a good period. Um, going into that rink, they always start fast. I thought we were really solid in the first period slowly losing it and then third you know we we're on our heels whole game and, and it all be, all boils down to being mentally uh tougher than that and harder on pucks not turning them over um little things like that that led to the goals for them surprising to you at all because your goalie kept you in the game and it's only a one-shot game going third game. uh you know it's 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 more disappointing than surprising you know like you, you Going out in the third period, I thought we'd have a lot more push, and we need to. We got to, we, we, like I said, we got to be more mentally tough than that.
1: So the Blues end up getting shut out. It's the first time in 109 games that the Blues had been uh, shut out. It was the uh, third longest streak in franchise history. It was the longest active streak in the NHL, and it comes to an end last night. Logan Brown spoke uh, earlier today and uh, talked a little bit about last night's contest.
2: Would have liked a better result, but Mm
1: -hmm. let's uh,
2: work through that.
4: The situation now with Fort with Virginia Everson Saad out, is it? How does that how does that affect with the offensively what you guys have to do?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know maybe change the game. Those are two uh, two of our offensive guys. So uh, you know some of us uh, coming in the lineup and in the bottom six need to step up and score some goals and um, you know just get some more uh, more zone time than we did last night.
1: How much did you get to play with uh, Tyler
3: Pitlick during camp? Do you recall and did you just see what kind of a worker he is and maybe that he fits in with kind of the fabric of what you guys
2: like to do here. Yeah, he's definitely a hard worker. Um, you know, it's good for him to finally get that deal done, and we're uh, we're happy to have him.
4: Good to know you get into a rhythm of games now, where you, you had all these off days, not that you were you were hurt for them, but yeah. now, game, day off, game, you know, just to get a regular, more like a regular hockey season. Yeah,
2: it's starting to feel like more like the season, you know, so uh, get a chance to get back at it tomorrow and uh, make up for, for last night, and um, just like you said, keep. Just kind of feels like the season's starting to get going right now. Mm-hmm. With it being early, do you guys feel like, you know, you've gotten off to, a, you know, last night aside, you've gotten off to a pretty decent start here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think we're happy where we're at. You know, uh, it's, it's a long year, so we just got to keep building on uh, on what we're doing in our game. But um, I think it's a good start.
5: How about being able to play in our fans land at one? general but I mean, now you guys are back here at Enterprise, so I guess it's what it'll be the
2: next four or something like that right? yeah we're excited for uh, a little homestand. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun playing here in front of these fans and um, we're looking forward to it
1: yeah so a few things uh, right there first off it is good to get into this routine. The start to the season was just so weird. with uh, was starting it so much later compared to other teams having so many fewer games. Now they're going to jump into a period with a lot of games. They're going into a back-to-back tomorrow on Thursday. Well, they'll, they'll host Edmonton, a team uh, that they knocked off uh, this past Saturday, 2 nothing, north of the border. Uh, then they'll travel to Nashville for a game on Thursday. After that, they'll come back home for three straight games Saturday, Monday, Thursday against Montreal, L.A., and then uh, against the Islanders so the uh, the grind that is the NHL season absolutely it is uh, starting to uh, come together now. Uh, again it we do the sample size thing. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do or, or don't learn about a team in a single game. I do think it's interesting that uh, Craig Berube spent so much time talking about the disappointment of the way the team played in the third period. It's one uh going into that third period. You've got a good uh, performance at that point from uh, your goaltender and Grice, who's starting for the first time, thought he looked sharp, and that's that's not easy. That, that was something that we talked about uh, yesterday on the show when we were previewing the game. It's not easy to be a backup goaltender, period. It's really not easy where essentially you're a couple weeks into the season, even if you haven't played that many games. It's tough when you're a couple weeks into the season and you have not gotten the opportunity to, uh, to play. Jordan Bennington is going to get the majority of starts for this team, and I think that's good. You want him playing a lot. I am going to be curious to see what the timeshare looks like between those two. One game sample size, but Grice certainly looked like a guy last night who can keep you in games and can do what you need him to do, especially those first couple periods. And felt like more than anything else, his teammates kind of let him down there uh, in the third period. Uh, But you can probably, we're going to see him in one of these next two games, Wednesday, Thursday, playing on a back to back. And just how often he's going to play, he'll always be in those back-to-backs. And then uh, do you sprinkle him in on occasion? But again, one game, but you can kind of, I look at it and I have a little bit more trust. I thought he played fine last night uh, and certainly kept the team in the game. You just would have liked to have seen uh, the team find a way to uh, score some goals last night. And that did not happen. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Let's grab a call real quick. Rob has uh, called us. Hey, Rob, you're on Sports Open Line.
3: Hey, thanks, Matt. Uh, Look, this whole loss with Winnipeg should have been expected. I mean, come on, you're playing Winnipeg at Winnipeg. And then the Blues had won so many games in a row. I mean, come on, they're going to hit energy deficit eventually, and and based on it, they were shut out. I say they're flat out of gas uh, for that game, but they'll recover, and and I expect a strong season because I, I just think this organization has got it together, and I think Baruvi, I think he's just a. A quality coach, and and so there's a whole lot to look forward to, him. and and everyone's all bent out of shape about one loss. I can't believe it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Rob, appreciate it. I, I don't are are people out of shape about this loss? Like I I haven't seen that. I'm not. I hope he wasn't talking about me. I'm not out of shape. I I'm not worried. I, I said it in the first segment, or when we first started talking about the Blues last hour. I am yesterday's loss actually makes me more optimistic about the team uh, than pessimistic because of Grice's performance. Uh, that's a question mark. That's a huge and still a question mark. It's one game. It's his first game of the year. He, that doesn't mean he's going to put together a, uh, a solid backup season this year. It doesn't mean that at all, but it's the first step. It's a first step towards that. So they may have lost 4 nothing yesterday. That third period did not look good. There was reasons to be concerned about that third period. I hope I'm not sounding like I'm been out of shape about the loss. It's a, it, it's a loss in a hockey season. It's not the end of the world. And the fact that Grice did play as well as he did, especially through the first two periods, I think that is absolutely something to build upon. that's how you call. That's a text. It's been a fun show, again, uh, kind of centered around uh, the Cardinals needing a new bench coach now as uh, Skip Schumacher, he exits the organization to become the new manager of the Miami Marlins. He is taking on a very... Very challenging job right there. And then uh, the other news of the day Centene Stadium is no more as uh, Centene reportedly pulls out as the corporate naming rights sponsor before uh, St. Louis City SC ever gets the opportunity to play uh, a game there. So that's what we've been talking about. If you've got comments on either of those things, we can get you in 314 436 7900. One more segment to go. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Line does continue. Just a, a few minutes left here in the program. My name is Matt Pauly. Again, if you want to get in here, uh, you can do so. 314 436 7900 314 436 7900 Call, text. You can also tweet at me. I'm always um always careful on stories like these. So let me um let me say this: that there is a report out there. It is an unconfirmed report. So we are going to talk about this in terms of it being a hypothetical because I have not seen uh, any confirmed report. But if it's true, I just I have a hard time figuring out how and why somebody would do something. And look, I, I can look back at my life and I can think of the stupid decisions I made when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I can probably keep going for a little while. I was very good at making stupid decisions, and I can look back at that now. Not that every decision I make now is a good one, but I was uh, was very good at stupid decisions at a prior time in my life. Texas A&M football has suspended three of their freshmen. Now, their recruiting class was considered the best recruiting class in the history of Texas A&M, And it was also considered the number one ranked class in the nation. And now three of those players uh, have been suspended indefinitely, two for a second time. And according to a report out there, these players were suspended because they were smoking pot in the locker room before the South Carolina game. Before the South Carolina game. I don't smoke pot, it's not my thing. that's not going to go down the road of uh, whether or not that should be legal or not. Like, so I don't really speak from experience here, but smoking pot in the locker room before an SEC football game does not seem like a good decision. And I would take that one step for, for uh, like further. Like what does it say about the culture of that football program where members of the team feel comfortable enough to toke up in the locker room before a game. Like, where you're just you, – talk about bad leadership. That That's on the coach, that's on the coaching staff, but that's on the other players as well. I've said it many times. My, my athletic career ended when I graduated high school, and my athletic career was – was cemented by the fact that I was a horrible athlete. I have no credibility whatsoever talking about things from an athlete perspective. And I never did anything beyond high school, but all I just, I cannot imagine being someone who feels comfortable enough in a locker room to start smoking pot ever, but especially before a game. I, if, if I'm Jimbo Fisher and Jimbo Fisher has bigger things to worry about, I I'm looking at my captains. I'm looking at my seniors. I'm looking at my upperclassmen and going, "How did this happen in this program's locker room? Where were you guys when all this was happening?" Now, I don't know the details of it. I don't know if they went into like a bathroom or a bathroom stall. I don't know how out in the open they were doing it, but I just can't imagine A scenario like them doing it is stupid. Fine, but let's take it one step forward. How in the world do you have a program, especially a program like Texas A&M that was highly ranked going into the season, a, a program that has national championship aspirations? How in the world do you have such poor leadership? In 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 a in team organization, whatever you want to call it, like college teams are very much organizations now. How do you have such poor leadership that a few players are comfortable smoking pot in the locker room before a game? I that's that is an incredible story, and I think it says a whole lot about what's going on there at Texas A and M, and maybe why they are struggling as much as they are struggling this year. There's. It doesn't always go back to culture, but here I do think it probably does go back to culture just a bit. Uh, that's uh, just about it for uh, this edition of uh, Sports Open Line. Coming up tomorrow, again, tomorrow morning, late tomorrow morning at Busch Stadium, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. He is going to be meeting with the media, uh, doing a long-form media session for the first time since the season has come to an end. Lots of questions to get answered. Will we find anything out about who maybe the next bench coach will be with uh, Skip Schumacher leaving the organization? We've got uh, a lot to get to, uh, and we'll have all the uh, we'll have all the comments uh, from Mosellock during sports open line tomorrow six o'clock eight o'clock looking forward to talking to you then at your services on the way next right here on kmox
0: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof